Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. I will read from Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. And it says, And he, it's the Lord Jesus, put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So, he is the head, we are the body. And this, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we have been on, for a season, we really felt like it was important for us to kind of just more kind of pay attention on the creed. For example, the Apostles' Creed, we say it, but we have seldom ever focused and see how it applies to us, what it means, and how wonderful if we make some progress in understanding what a blessing it is for us. So we have, again, it says, he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Is the head body is the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So in the book of Ephesians, we see, as we say in the Apostles' Creed, we believe the resurrection of Jesus. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and then we go on. We believe in the church, universal, in the communion of saints. What does it all, what is the connotation? And so there are, in the book of Ephesians, there are the church, you find the variations of the theme that it's a, there is a sevenfold picture that God gives. What is the church? Who, who are, it's the ones who are redeemed. You have experienced Jesus. You are the called out ones, called out front, called out from darkness into the light of God. And then there are seven pictures that God gives us. Number one, it's an assembly coming together. We have talked about the assembly. And we are the body. What does the body mean? They, like you have a body, but you have hands. Hands you hold up things, hold things with. But then you have legs. Legs you walk, you run. You, unless, I mean, you train yourself differently, you can't hold things together like you hold with a hand. So your eyes can see, your nose can smell and breathe. Your ears hear. Each is part of your body, but each has a different function. And so, the Lord, according to the Lord, he calls us his body. And we have different strengths, different functions. And the Lord in the scripture says, let all things be done decently and in order. So it's, it's good for us that we have order. If there was chaos, you couldn't get anything. You could, what, did he, what was said? What are we singing? What, 
I mean, it, it's good. Everything be done in decency, in an order. We are called also the temple of God. In Ephesians 5, the church is called the bride. Put on the full armor of God. Uh, I mean, the army, sorry. And then the bride. The bride of Christ. And uh, what does God intends for each of us to be able to slowly to have the uh, revelation where we, we fit in. And we are interdependent. We don't flow independent of each other. There is a kind of school that came in the last maybe 20 years perhaps. But before then when the first like the visitation outpouring of God that came in the late 60s, 70s. It taught about the church more in a more efficient way. And it shared that we all belong. We have a purpose. It's not like each of us hanging out independently. Romans 12 again tells us, you are part of a body. And uh, Christ is the one who has laid down his life for us. And so the Lord God has ownership of us. We are the clay. He is the potter. And the way of promotion and progress in the body of Christ, how do we succeed? We succeed by being servants. Jesus himself came as a servant. And therefore God has highly exalted him, given him the name which is about every name at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. But the beginning point, he came as a servant. So that's an example for us. And then as we grow, we got, we'll learn to take different responsibilities. And uh, so we talked a little last week about the body. And the next um, picture is we are his workmanship. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, the scripture tells us that verse 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. So this is, a Jerusalem Bible says, we are his work of art. So the work, the, when we say the, the, the church is his workmanship, it's, it's a work of art. It is the supreme work of art. God wants principalities and powers to know. His genius work, the supreme work of art, is his church. And uh, 
it's for us to kind of say, okay, Lord, I, I take your word. I am, and the other, the word, the other word in, in, that translates from the Greek is we are his poem. The supreme work of art, we are his poem. Um, there was uh, um, and I am I was quite a, I was getting when the Lord interrupted and called me I was getting my doctorates in English and uh, we had to specialize at certain times and make studies of different pieces of literature and part of it was poetry God says, the church is my supreme work of poetry. And uh, so how many of you love poetry? Do you like poetry? It's, I commend you, I'm glad. I, I love poetry. And so there was a, one of the great supreme works, Percy Bysshe Shelley. He lived in the late 1800s to, I mean, he lived, I mean, he didn't, he lived basically about 30 years, 30 plus years, but he was a genius. And one of his poems that just really impressed me, it's brilliant wisdom, he says in, in the poem Ozymandias. How many are familiar with Ozymandias? It says, I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them on the sand half sunk a shattered visit lies whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, King of kings. Look on my works, you mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. So it talks about just human pride. And he was not the king of kings. It's Jesus who is the king of kings. But it's a beautiful work of poetry. And uh, there's another one that I really like um, that some of you may be familiar with. Um, and that's also, some people call it the, the British National Anthem. Uh, Richie's had to take time, some time off. It's not here. You would appreciate that. But the song, and I don't know how many of you saw the movie many years ago called Chariots of Fire. But at the end, uh, this man who is part of the Olympics. The Olympics are taking place right now also, but uh, 
this one who helped uh, in the 1920s, I believe, Olympics. Uh, it was, he's now very senior, almost 90 years old, and goes home to be with the Lord. But they sing this song as a conclusion. And it's called Jerusalem, it says, And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pasture seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand, till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. It was a poem by William Blake, and that made it into what some, besides God Save the Queen, but this is England's national anthem. It's, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, but nothing is as gorgeous work of art as the supreme poem, which is, God says, is my church. And uh, so, say I'm a work of art. That's one aspect of a description. You are awesome. Tell your neighbor, you are awesome. And it, the, the Greek as you look at it, it's God's supreme creative masterpiece. So, the mountains that often we are impressed by, or the ocean, I often am, I love watching the ocean, but that's not God's masterpiece. Or a bouquet of roses, I love roses. I want to ask you ladies, raise your hand if you like a bouquet of roses or a bouquet of flowers. You do? Yes. Amen. You are normal. <laughs> but beyond that, God says, these are nice pieces of work. But even beyond that, my supreme work of art is you. The church. The believing church of Jesus Christ. And uh, so he tells principal's powers, look at my church. I have made a creative masterpiece. And that Ephesians 3 tells us, and by the church, God reveals the manifold, manifold wisdom of God. So we are the demonstration of what God can create. We are, the church is a place where the presence of God can abide, can stay and hover. Um, there was a movie way back, many years ago, called Love is a Many-Splendored Thing. And there was a song. But the word many-splendored describes the church. The splendor of the living God beams forth from his church. And that's really humbling that God wants to say to the universe and to the principalities and powers, 
This is my supreme work of art. Um, I remember um, in the time that I was just a young, young man growing up, but I heard about this unique apostle in Africa called Brother Silas. His name was, uh, full name was Silas Owidi. And he was in his, in his apostleship, the Lord, he would hear from the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And he would obey and God would tell him, go there. And he would, he would just basically, his habit was to walk through the bush to the forests of Kenya, Africa, where I was. And, uh, and there's a lot of wildlife. And he had one of his real experiences was uh, he was passing by this hillside which was covered with baboons, you know, the, the monkeys. And they do all kinds, they're really rambunctious when they get, you know, about 100, 150 monkeys running around, jumping on, on the hillside, eating fruit and throwing it at each other. And so he... Uh, comes to this hillside loaded with monkeys and uh, he hears the word of the Lord. I mean, he hears from God and the Lord speaks to him, preach the gospel. Give them the good news of Jesus. And for a moment, he is really hesitant thinking, I don't think I've heard from the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to him again, preach to those monkeys. And he got that impression so clearly, so he said, listen to me. And the monkeys were startled <laughs> and they looked at him. And he says, you're all under a curse. But Jesus Christ came to break the curse so you may be blessed. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he was buried. And on the third day he was resurrected. And he is your Lord. He is your Savior. He is your King. And you can be received the blessing today. And he gave everything he had and uh, then started walking away. He didn't. The, the monkeys went back jumping around and uh, ignoring him. So he started walking away and the Lord said to him, you forgot the invitation. And uh, said, Lord, to the monkeys? He said, invite them to receive Christ. So he, listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, come up and stand right in front of me. The monkeys ignored him. But from behind the hillside came a whole group of African village women who had hidden behind the hill when they saw a stranger walking through. And they all heard the gospel. And when he gave the invitation, they all came and got saved. <laughs> I was thinking of this story. And the whole coming together of the Lord commissioning him, going, walking out in the bush, 
hearing from the Lord, preaching to monkeys, and suddenly the whole village gets revival because Silas, Brother Silas, obeyed the word of God. So the way that this all came together is part of the genius of God. He makes us his masterpiece because so many of these gears can come together and make sense suddenly that God was achieving a higher purpose than we ever realized. So he gives us the ability to be out of many becoming one, that we achieve the purpose. The, the purpose with Silas and even the monkeys playing a part, but God's word, that it all blended together for the salvation of an entire African village. Um, so it's God's creative genius and our cooperating with, in conjunction with our yieldedness, that say yieldedness. So he is, like I've said before, he is the potter, we are the clay. So we get, if you've ever seen a potter working with the clay and, and very quickly, you see me becomes a beautiful vase and on, the, on that little place that he has put the clay. Uh, so as we cooperate with him, that the potter makes us something, not just a blob of clay, but something that's gorgeous, that becomes a work of art. And uh, it becomes a masterwork. There was another movie and a book. I read the book years, many years ago called The Agony and the Ecstasy, which was pri primarily about the Pope cooperating with Michelangelo, who painted the Sistine Chapel. And it's, an, it's a masterpiece of art. But uh, Michelangelo was a very, he was gifted, but he had some portions of his personality that needed healing. And, but Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, we are the clay, he is the potter. That's Isaiah 64, verse 8. And uh, Jeremiah, there's a scripture in, of uh, get to that Um, sorry, takes a little bit of time here. Jeremiah 18. It says here, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. 
So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look as the, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit. And so, again, God uses the the illustration, you are the clay, I am the potter. And the potter achieves the shape by the pressure he applies at the wheel. And he says to the house of Israel, this is how I'm dealing with the house of Israel. He's shaping, molding by pressure. So individually also this applies to us, that the Lord, we are in the hands of the Lord. And sometimes we may not, not like the kind of pressure it comes, but he's making something beautiful, a work of art as we are in his hand. He's shaping, he's molding the pressure that comes as you obey the word of the Lord to whatever degree you can. And when God wants to shape us and change us and mold us, he always applies pressure. And God would tell us today, I'm applying pressure so I can mold you the way I want you to be. So welcome. And so at this hour, we, it's a unique time, and it's good for us to be able to be cognizant of what, not what some of these government bureaucracies are doing, or not what this CDC or others, I mean, I'm sure many of them mean well, but this, in different parts of the, of the world, the lockdowns, the mask wearing, the, some states saying, no, you won't do it. Other states saying, we are going to do this on your, with your children. But apart from them, despite all of this junk, God is using us and he is molding us into a special work of art. And so I want to say, Lord, I'm yielded to your hand. You are our maker. You are the potter. And we are the clay. And as we allow him to shape us, we'll come out of this reflecting his glory more than ever before. And Romans
Romans 9. says this but indeed O men who are you to reply against God will the thing formed say to him who formed it why have you made me like this does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor what if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he, also, he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people, who are not my people, and her beloved, who has not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God. So it's the Lord who is in actively doing something for us in this hour. And so it's, it gives us wisdom as we understand from the word of God. God is in charge. And when he applies some pressure or he makes us a certain way, Lord, why did you make me so short? Oh, Lord, why did you make me so tall? Lord, how did you shape this? And God says, be at peace. I am the Lord and I intend awesome things for you, your life, your destiny. And... Uh, and above all, finally, the Lord wants us to know. It's, it says, I'll summarize, but 2 Corinthians 3, the first three were verses. Basically, the Lord saying, you are my letter. People want to know what, what are you up to? You got to know. I'm the one who has molded you and you are the one who is reflecting my glory. So God is so proud that he made you, he shaped you. You are his poem, you are his masterpiece. And uh, some of you may not recognize this name called, how many of you Remember Francis Schaeffer? Remember? Yeah. I'm proud of you, if you can remember. He was a wonderful Christian philosopher. Mainly, he was active around the 70s, 80s, 90s. And then we went home to be with the Lord. But uh, he says, the future may come that people may not any longer read the Bible, take the time to read what the Word says. But they will still look at you. The Word made flesh in you. And your life will convince them 
to follow Jesus Christ. By this shall men know you are my disciples. By the fact that you love one another. So, in this hour, we are going to grow. Shaped by the living God. Loyal to the Lord. Willing to be shaped by him and willing to serve. And we are God's, says we are God's epistle or letter. You are, you and I are living epistles. Above all, living epistles of love. Say love. Say I'm a lover. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that we are, you call us your masterpiece, the supreme work of art. We are your poem speaking to the world. And may we be those who express the love of Jesus wherever we are, that people will be guided to yield themselves to Jesus through the life they see through us. May we be anointed to love each other. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You are a poem. You are a poem. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh Javda, visit us at javdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.